love a bazooki yeah. almost as much as a kazoo <laughs> last week. Me too. Oppa. Yeah. yeah, it gets you toe tapping, doesn't it? I was into it. I don't know whether it's the one. I think the search continues, but I, I must say I did enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast, where we tear down pressure test and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James, and with me are Matt. Hey. And Cars Guide Adventure Editor Marcus Crafty Craft. Hello. This week, among other things, we'll look at reducing stress behind the wheel, new highway patrol predators coming to a rearview mirror near you. I mean, that's dialing up the stress. It is. <laughs> uh, I'm stressed. And out. your say on Richard's ranting on yes. bicycles versus cars. He was all right. Yeah. So stay with us. But first, must watch. So Elon's not only struggling yeah. uh, when it comes to delivery of the Tesla Model 3, the boring company, which he's also you know, involved with, tunnels, vehicles, underground, Los Angeles, whole world, yep. world domination. Rich, rich people, um, tunnels. Yep. Is, is encountering delivery challenges with the $500 flamethrower that, that it pre-sold to 20,000 people in February, <laughs> uh, primarily because propane. Mm. Yeah. So the delivery presumably, he's, you know, got in contact with FedEx and said, oh, "I've got, oh, I've got twenty thousand flamethrowers." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Talk us through the Good content. Story. Can't see a problem. Oh, it's just a little thing like you do your creme brulee with, yeah, you know. Yeah, but we're yeah. just calling it flamethrower. Yeah. Oh, okay. What yeah. propane then? Yeah. Mm, nah. So he said, <laughs> "Yeah, UPS has said the same thing. He's probably done the rounds." And um, but he said, "Okay, no problem." And he's told people at a presentation in L.A. during the week that that's, that's no drama. The company would use its own delivery vans to mm. ship these things. Right. I didn't know that the Boring Company had a mass fleet of delivery vans. But Does it? apparently it must because huh. it's going to get these flamethrowers out there. Right. So that sounds totally quick and easy. It's a great fix for that problem. Yeah. So if I paid my $500, I'd be on tenderhooks just yeah. waiting to see yeah. if I actually get one. Like a Model 3 buyer, I guess. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Crazy Elon also says that these giant super bricks allowing you to, quote, create the pyramids and other world wonders in your backyard won't be far behind. Now, these super bricks are made of the material that's extracted from, that the boring co- you know, company tunnels mm. through, and they make these bricks, and it looks suspiciously like a Besser brick to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's exactly the same as a concrete Besser brick. He sells the dream, though, doesn't he? He does. Oh, he does. He does. Oh, you yes. can make the pyramid and other world <laughs> well, wonders you could, in your backyard. You could do that with the Besser you block as well. You could do that well. with the Besser block <laughs> as well. Anyway, um, but he's also... The guy's got more front than woolies, doesn't he? Keeps, he more front keeps. than farmers, as my, That's it, my yeah. dear old dad yeah. would say. Elon has also released pics on Twitter, where else, of the SpaceX human transport pod. Right. So this is the SpaceX Crew Dragon ship, and it's in an anoic chamber for EMI testing, which is electromagnetic interference before being sent to NASA, and they put it into a perfect vacuum to, to check out how it will go in space. And he says um, they're planning manned test flights later this year. So Jeez. there are going to be people on the top of that candle. They'll light it up and wow. off you go. I don't think I'd be wanting to... No, no, that's not me, thanks. Um, and I wonder if they're going to deliver some flamethrowers while on they're the way. shooting through It's a great idea. Just know. drop them from the sky. Yeah. What, what, what could, could go, go wrong? wrong? Exactly. <laughs> they might burn up. Um, anyway... The Model 3, once touted as Tesla's US dollar $35,000 electric car for the masses, 
can now set a buyer back almost $80,000 for the twin motor performance model. What happened there? And, Matt, you were saying that's something that Crazy E was was never going to do. Well, probably in one of his tweets uh, about two or three years ago when he was talking about Model 3, I, I remember... Um, that this was not going to be a thing. There wasn't going to be a performance version of the Model 3. It was supposed to be the affordable right. electric car for, for the masses. Yeah, well, the, con- the conundrum is because he's you know, struggling to get the ramp up of volume on Model 3, he needs to get to a critical mass of making the car before he can do the cheap ones. So he needs to make some, some cream on the, the flash ones mm. so that he can then start putting out the cheaper ones. Problem is, he's just not getting to that point of building enough cars. Mm. So that thirty-five thousand dollar car is a bit like hen's teeth right now. It's it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. So um, that'll be a collector's item. Find the thirty-five thousand dollar Model Three. Anyway, the Bloomberg Tesla Model Three tracker that we've been following is at three five six six this week. That's up, which is actually the highest weekly number so far. Remember, we're heading for a claim of six thousand by the end of next month. So that's five weeks away. But I tell you, the jump between, you know, roughly three and a half to six is smaller than it's been. So mm-hmm. watch that space. Mm. We'll see. How's it build quality, though? Are they, uh, have we had any reports? <sighs> look, there have been other reports that aren't positive. Mm. But um, look, the numbers there, you can't argue. You can't argue with the volume, Crafty. <laughs> It's yeah, there's a lot of, there's a you lot of really can. <laughs> there's a lot of Big Macs out there, but that doesn't make it a good thing, mate. So, yeah. Speaking of a good thing and electric cars, um, electric cars are now being presented as less stressful to drive than your typical internal combustion equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, a study conducted by the University of York in the UK found that zero emission vehicles activate positive physiological responses, including a lower heart rate, higher levels of attention, and increased overall happiness. So I don't know how you measure overall <laughs> happiness. That's a, that's, a big, that's a big question. That's got to be one of those push-button things at the end, like when you go through well, security or happy. something. Do you press the smiley face? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that are, made me happy. Are but you satisfied? The study used that. brain caps that are often used in, you know, when people are trying to find out what's going on inside yep. your noggin. On London black cab drivers. Now, have you ever met a happy London black cab driver? <laughs> no, no, oh, not yeah. at all. But I think it's um, I think it's an interesting set of findings because uh, I find that when I drive electric cars, I'm often more focused on what I'm doing in the car than what everyone else is doing around me. So perhaps there's something to that: the fact that you're more focused on, you know, trying to save. Energy, ah, okay, and because you're, also, you're so stressed out about reaching the next charge point, well, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's one side right. of it. Um, but yeah, you are more focused on your range anxiety and and being gentler on the throttle, and so maybe you're yeah, not maybe. as aggressive when you're driving it. Well, so, I know yeah. we've spoken about it before. I'm a big fan of the BMW i3, and I find myself really relaxed. And if you had to ask me, yeah, I'm pretty happy when I'm driving that car. It yeah. does feel good. So yeah. um, I'm not, not exactly sure of the parameters that we use to get these cabbies. Yeah, pushing the smiley face button. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, there is something to that. Just do we know how big the the study was? It was at least a few people. <laughs> <laughs> Two blokes who were having a good weekend. More than yeah. one, definitely <laughs> more than one. <laughs> good. But uh, speaking of battery electric vehicles, the battery part, cobalt. Um, which is a key battery metal, has tripled in price over the last two years. And the price of lithium uh, is heading north as well. Now, of course, lithium is used in batteries for electric Fine. cars, but you know everything from your power drill to the, the phone that's Fine. in your pocket, that's increasingly the material of choice yep. uh, for batteries. 
Um, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, or the Demi Democratic Republic of Congo, there's oh, been a bit joint. of a, a debate same in place. here, accounts for more than two-thirds of mined cobalt output. So I'm saying, are we headed for another kind of, you know, finite resource crunch when it comes to vehicles? It's not oil this time. It's the pieces that go together to make up a battery. Is it just that humans are an evil lot that, that chew up the Earth's resources no matter which way they turn? Well, until Uncle Elon comes up with something that will uh, eradicate any need for natural minerals to be used in battery tech, then it is going to be a finite resource. This is It's a problem. Fossil fuels are fossil fuels, right? Mm, sure. So you've got to get them from somewhere inside the Earth. Yes. And, yeah. uh, it just so happens that there was a really nice little piece uh, that's been done on the CNN or BBC, I can't remember what it was, talking about uh, cobalt mining in Congo. And, oh, wow. And Okay. just how much of an impact it has on the local economy and how that there are some car manufacturers that can't necessarily attest to where they get their cobalt, cobalt. from. Yes. So that it can involve um, child employees. Yeah. And there's some, some video on this piece where yeah. they're actually showing kids coming out of the mines with cobalt. Uh, and, and is there any kind of radioactivity? Are there immediate kind of health impacts in well, you'd imagine, handling this stuff? You'd imagine if you're down a hole, then it can't be good for you longer term. Doesn't but also, you know, washing away the fine dust and that sort of things, any sort of stuff could be in that. Well, the, the, doctor, the other but, part of that is that lithium, as I understand it, is often extracted from what are generally environmentally sensitive locations, the very nature of the substance is that it's in a watery, almost swampy kind of location. Mm -hmm. Sometimes not, but often it is. So there's, there's that as well. But Bloomberg's new energy finance analysts say that EVs are forecast to achieve cost parity with gasoline engine models mm -hmm. um, in the mid-2020s, and by 2040 will account for a third of the global vehicle fleet. So uh, it's, gonna, it's going to be coming a crunch point. Of course, there'll be a new technology development that maybe sends things in a different direction, but... If everybody starts plugging in their zero emission vehicles um, into the wall or some other socket, we're going to have to beef up our electric infrastructure. You know, a wholesale adoption of zero emission vehicles has implications, domino effect right down the line. Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a package deal thing where if you buy a car, you get a solar array included or something like yeah. that or a wind farm out the back of your house and you've said many times crafty if you're in the back of beyond it's it's not always easy to no, find a recharge no. station no not at all and i mean as you guys say the march continues on i mean sure the technology is improving but you need the infrastructure around that to, to make it a you know an experience everyone can take part in so i mean there's plenty of plenty of solar energy in the yeah, simpson but absolutely. you'd need you'd need a <laughs> lot of it to charge yeah. up your your car i'd imagine yeah. on current tech yeah. so it's an interesting question all round but speaking of charges um the <laughs> nice the, the new Segway. south wales police nice. has confirmed adoption of after a, a pretty fraught pro well not fraught but a, a a long process that they now adopted the chrysler 300 srt core mm -hmm. and the bmw 530d so a five series diesel in what would roughly equate to an M Sport spec, although it's a, a police kind of pack, so things like a sunroof doesn't have that. It doesn't have a lot of the flash gear that uh, a more luxury version would have. So for highway patrol uh, duty, and there were close to 20 models that were evaluated, yeah. including cars like the Mustang and the Subaru WRX. I think the Mustang was kicked into touch because, well, it's a two-door, but also its uh, ANCAP safety rating wasn't up to snuff. Um, so, and these cars got it partly because they have their X-Factory kind of 
law enforcement spec programs where you can just tick a box and out Already. it comes yeah. with the electrics yeah. and whatever else you need for it to be a police car. So. How Expect cool to would see that them job soon. be? Sorry, man. How yep. cool would that job be evaluating those vehicles? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Can yeah. imagine they'd get to thrash them around That's a bit. That's right. It does raise a good question, though. Like, I heard that this was in part due to the fact that they wanted rear-wheel drive cars um, because it would mean they didn't have to spend money retraining every person in New South Wales Police Force how to re-drive yeah. oh, because no. yeah. the balance is different, yeah. the way it steers, yeah. the way yeah. that it will perform. Exactly. Yeah. That's well, our our, uh, our man on the ground, Tim Robbo Robson, has some <coughs> some good contacts, and he's the one who's written this most story for most recent story for us, which is on carsguide.com.au. Um, and yeah, that's a factor, according to Tim, mm-hmm. that that it fits into their protocols in terms of training the 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 whole way they drive the cars, and it just makes life a lot easier on that score alone. But then I I look at that and I go, so Chrysler three hundred. I haven't heard anything about a replacement model for that car. So they could be throwing their money down the same drain there. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Then they'll evaluate another 20 cars in a couple of years' time. And the way, that the, the way the premium cars are going, then they're all going all-wheel drive yeah. typically. Yeah. So that sort of... Well, by know, then, Crafty will be a rear-wheel drive vehicle evaluator exactly. for New South Wales yeah. Police and enjoying his, <laughs> enjoying <laughs> his time in the service. Later. It's a good job title. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Rear-wheel drive vehicle evaluator. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, it's been a big week for our friends at Winton. Australian performance drivers love their cars, and the performance car they love the most is the one that's done it all. From the Mount Panorama Winner's Circle to your driveway, all roads lead to Winton. The 2018 Winton Turbo now features an even more potent version of the powerhouse Redback two-stroke V9 Turbo, backed up by the latest generation version of our patented torque tumbler transmission technology. Once you eye it and try it, we guarantee you'll buy it. Australia's Winton Turbo. Inspiration is standard. Torque tumbler transmission available at extra cost. Wheels and tyres sold separately. Batteries not included. Consult your Winton dealer for final pricing. <laughs> Winton. Oh, get on them. Those guys. Look, get it, on them. It, it poses again, yet again, and I think this is our 35th uh, podcast. Where's Frosty? Frosty Chops, Head of Corporate and Government Relations for the Winton Motor Company. Good friend of the show. Of course, he was Lovely at Winton boy. on the weekend just gone to witness <laughs> Fabian Coulthard's victory for DJR um, Team Penske at last weekend's Supercars round. So he's hung around. Word on the street is Winton's about to ink a 10-year extension of what? its Supercars agreement. Uh, they go out Currently, they go out to 2019, but this could be uh, 10 years from now. And you can guess who's working the angles on that oh, negotiation. You know, it, it, that bloke. it could mean big upgrades for the track. And the town. You know, this of is course. big yeah. news for Winton, yeah. and Frosty's yeah. right there in the centre of it. But wasn't part of his bargaining thing that he wanted every round of supercars to be there? <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's um, true. Unprecedented. Yeah. And, well, but I like his, you know, his... his there's the possibility, you didn't, you didn't hear it here, but there's a possibility of Winton pace cars and, you know, emergency vehicles, the, the whole bit. Right. But um, that'll all come out in the wash. But How Frosty's right there in the thick of it. Means a lot of money for the town. Hey, they'll they'll finally get that ice skating rink that they've always wanted. Yeah, and probably that statue of Frosty that various well, ones you, you on the only, Chamber of Commerce have been putting up for years. You can only hope a couple of them are uh, inappropriate for public consumption. But otherwise, yeah. I 
All right. Now, we're, we're um, often asking our, our listeners to let us know what they think, and um, happily we've had some feedback on Richard's rants. So oh. Richard last week had a red-hot go on the fact that New South Wales has instituted a law that says you must leave a metre between a car and a bicycle up to 60 kilometres an hour, and above that speed it's a metre and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richard put his, put his front foot forward and had a bit of a go, but we've had feedback, some of it agreeing with Richard and, and some not. Matthew Whitehead, thank you very much for your feedback. True colours are showing, Richard Berry, most disappointing bias. So he's a cyclist? Must be. I presume He's so. big on cycling. Could be. Uh, he's probably got Likes some lycra in, in, his, in his cupboard. Yep, maybe. Uh, James Stevenson says, Richard, I agree on cyclists off the road. Mm. I'm currently oh. a red pea plater and I do not feel safe when passing them due to the focus I have to attribute to enforcing the metre limit while ensuring I'm obeying other road rules. It's just a hassle and most of them don't even use bike lanes when available. Well, that's a bit of a sweeping generalisation. But, yeah. uh, but, but I think but Alan, Alan Saunders walks a very nice kind of middle path yep. and says more bike paths the world over for everyone's safety. Nice. I think that's I th- bang on. I think that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Good yeah. Well done, Alan. So thank you all for that feedback. Let's, and, and look, last week we kicked off with the video of the, of the podcast. So on YouTube you can unfortunately... <laughs> See what we look like as well as uh, what we sound like, but yeah. um, it's just another avenue for people to have a have a have their say and let us know what they're thinking. So that's where those comments came from, and and thank you all. And it's uh, quite refreshing for that, that uh, it wasn't my mother for once. So that's uh, that's good. She's a wonderful woman. She's a wonderful, lovely, woman. and she'll be soon out of jail too. Love you, mum. <laughs> okay, so now talking of feedback that some people probably don't want to hear. Uh, suppliers to Fiat Chrysler automobiles uh, discussed alleged use of software to pass emissions tests in 2010, according to emails disclosed in a US federal court in San Francisco this week. Right, right? so this sort of links back to our story last week. It absolutely does. You know, uh, Gilberto Ranieri, yeah. who was the US uh, communications head for FCA, and uh, Sergio Marchione putting him back in his place when he was just a little bit too quick to say nothing to see here. Volkswagen may have uh, transgressed, but not us. We're squeaky clean. And he said, are you mad? Are you mad? (laughs) If you say that and we end up having, you know, we're not so squeaky clean, it'll be doubly bad for us. Yeah, yeah. So lo and behold... They're not so squeaky clean. (laughs) FCA is in... They're actually in what's called advanced settlement talks with the US Justice Department and California Air Resources Board over accusations the company illegally used software that led to excess emissions in, wait for it, 104,000 US diesel vehicles sold since 2014. So more than 100,000 cars. So Sergio Passini, the Controls and Calibration Director at supplier VM Matori, wrote in a 2010 email to colleagues, an employee within the automaker's powertrain division had tried to convince him the software called T-Engine didn't count as cycle detection, so able to tell when it's being put through an emissions test. The automaker's emissions control, quote, will be managed mainly on T-Engine, which is no matter what Fiat says, a cycle detection. Pazzini wrote in an email according to a court document that was unsealed on Wednesday. So am I right in thinking that diesel is dirty 
in every single sense of the word. It seems to inspire <laughs> skullduggery and, and just bad behaviour all around. And this no, is no, no. the bit that gets me is that this has been going on for so long and we're hearing about, like we heard about the Dieselgate thing with Volkswagen a few years ago now, but like 2010. 10. It's amazing, isn't wow. it? Yeah, yeah. So they're really the first movers yeah. <laughs> in that space. And maybe there were people around, but... I mean, diesel being such a, a large part of your world, Crafty, in, oh, yeah. in the adventure yeah. space, that's yeah. it's the power of choice. So there's no there's no talk of it now affecting FCA Australia. Like there's no talk of there's no this is purely a US. I thing. think I the whole know. the whole case will uh, almost unquestionably have flow on effects for that brand's so. markets yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, I'm, I don't know what, but what whether this, it has a direct yeah. relation. I, I don't know. Um, and and also the Yanks aren't big on. Diesel really are well, they? So yeah. that's the, so one hundred and four thousand vehicles. You know that's that's an awful lot. Unless of, uh, they're rolling coal at a Prius, you know, in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking in California, and then they're right into diesel. <laughs> so last week we talked about and talk about big numbers of vehicles. We talked about a recent rash of recalls in in this market mm-hmm. in Australia, but BMW has announced that in the they've just announced that in the UK it's recalling three hundred thousand cars. 300,000 cars for a possible electrical fault that may cause a stalling problem or loss of power. Oh, no. So that's 1 Series, 3 Series, Z4 and X1 petrol and diesel models made between March 07 and August 2011. So we've been in touch with BMW Australia and uh, they say there's no info on local implications at this stage. But that is an enormous number of cars. It's a big, big impact, that, for sure. Yeah, and just on the law of averages or whatever you want to call it, you'd have to think there might be some flow-on effect uh, yeah. for cars in Australia. So that's well, 07 to, to 2011. Yeah. There's, um, there's no doubt that we'd get, our same, we'd get our cars from the same factories that those ones would be built in. And, you know, a stalling problem. You remember yeah. when there were yeah. stalling yeah. problems before? Oh, I do. Yeah. That wasn't yeah. a good look. Yeah. So. Oh, I do. So there's that. But now, a word from our upwardly mobile colleagues at Oversteer. What happens when you put three hooligans together in one room? You get a podcast full of hectic banter. Hummer <laughs> is for any rugged man. This manly scent possesses oh, well, a that, that, that rules me right out. <laughs> Jeez. Stupid stories. It's, it's a cruise ship with all the insides scooped out, water fills it up, and then you put a pirate ship in the middle. Nothing more gangster than a ship in a ship. You're an idiot. And some discussion about cars. So we've got the K cars as well. What do you guys think? There's this new Honda Sports concept there. I think it looks so cool. It it does look a bit funky, mate. The Oversteer Podcast on the Cars Guide website, iTunes, and where all good podcasts are sold. Now, Rich is not here to say, I hate those guys. God, I hate those guys. They've got some nerve. They've got some nerve. (laughs) It's a bit harsh. Fortunately, Crafty's taken up the... uh, The, the baton he hates and he's well. having, having a go. <laughs> oh, hate's a strong word, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now motor shows. Um, even the big ones are seemingly on a slippery slope. You know, they're a thing of the past in Australia for, for a long time now. Yep. I want to say 2012 or, or 13 Thereabouts, was the last time. Yeah. They've so been pretty swiftly, yeah. At least five downhill. years uh, since there's been a motor show in either Sydney, Melbourne, other cities around the country. But uh, Paris this year... And that's a big motor show. You know, alternate years with Frankfurt as Europe's biggest motor show. Paris this year will be minus Ford, Opel, Volvo, Nissan, Infiniti, and now, as I've just announced, Volkswagen. Mm. So right. then you think about Detroit, which is 
on a global scale, generally seen as a big show and lots of launches happen there. It's the first one. It's immediately after New Year. Um, and so for 2019, uh, 19 rather, Detroit will be missing Audi, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Mini, Volvo, Mazda, Jaguar, Porsche and Land Rover. Right. So it, it turns into an American brand's yeah. first yeah. Mm-hmm. and almost becomes a domestic yeah. show as opposed to this, this global kind of stage. So Detroit's talking about moving to October to mm-hmm. be a little bit more friendly in terms of the climate. It's invariably just a, a snowstorm um, in January, yeah. quite literally. Yeah. Uh, but our private events like the CES, um, you know, the Goodwood Festival of Speed, not to mention the internet, and events that these brands are putting on themselves, it seems as though motor shows are on a slippery slope to, to nowhere. Yeah, um, I agree with you 100% on that. There's there's no doubt in my mind that the traditional motor show won't be around for very much longer. Um, the way that that they're being operated in particular, you know, we're seeing car brands trying to get the jump on the show. So they'll have a big reveal at the show, but we'll find out about it two weeks beforehand yes. or whatever. So they're getting all the media bites that they want. Trying to get some free air. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But then we're also seeing more and more brands doing this thing where they'll have immersive experiences where they'll basically have a motor show of their own. Underwater. So rather than spend big bucks. <laughs> yeah. No, not underwater. That's um, the submersive. Uh, oh, big yeah. pardon. Rather than spend big bucks trying yeah. to attend a show where they're competing with, say, 50 other brands, why wouldn't they bring automotive journalists from all over the world mm. to one spot where they can brainwash them <laughs> more effectively. Yeah, yeah. So that that's well, in that way they also they they also uh, you know maintain control over what yeah. happens, over when it happens, yeah. embargoes, all that sort of thing. They control the flow of information and of yeah. imagery. And then, you know, that's that's worth its weight. Yeah, they can put the hook so. around the executive's yeah. neck and get him off stage exactly. quickly. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a signal to all of us then to up our game and uh, be doubly uh, aware of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, Ferdinand, let's call him Ferry, uh, Dudenhofer. Dudenhofer? He's a... For, he's a <laughs> The, the improbably named. What a great name. Duden, great Dudenhofer. Dudenhofer. Uh, he's a former marketing a watch, watch. chief at Porsche. He says, he alleges that VW Group probably spends up to 50 million euros on its Paris show presence. 50 million euros. So, okay, that's across Volkswagen and Skoda and probably Seat, Audi, a few others. But that's a lot of money. It's, so Volkswagen would be a pretty decent chunk of that. And they've they've pulled that for this year at Paris. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Volkswagen has some fines to pay, so um, they they should <laughs> probably time, yes. probably do that instead of uh, having a show presence. I'd yeah, say. I think so. All right. Well, speaking of special cars, uh, what have we been driving this week, Matt? Kick it off with you. What's been in the garage? BMW M5 is what I've been driving. Um, look, I've never ever been a big fan of the M5. Um, I understand its point and I get it. Um, I've just thought that for me, you can't really explore the depth of capability of a car like that on Australian roads. Um, It's the Fiesta ST factor, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Anything much above a Fiesta ST? It is, yeah. Bit of a waste. There's no, no point. But Having said that, you know, I was last week waxing lyrical about the Audi RS6, so um, yeah. I, I sort of think it's a horses for courses thing. I I like the M5, there's no doubt about it. It's technically pretty bloody good. Yep. There's just bits of it where I just sort of go, 
you know, when I said to my friends, I took them out somewhere, they said, how much is this thing? I said, oh, two, 200 plus. They're, what? Yes. 200 plus. Sure. So it's it's huge money for a sedan. And yeah. I think, you know, you look at where the market's going and performance doesn't necessarily equal sedan anymore. Yep. So. Yeah, okay. That sounds like a fair call. And Crafty, you've had the crampons on, you've been you've been getting the, the ropes out and you've been you've been scaling Everest. Sorry, I thought you said something else. Then. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm back in the um, the Everest. <clears throat> We've we were out a couple of weeks ago in the um, Ford Ranger Wild Track and the Everest is essentially an SUV sort of built off that platform or at least shares a lot of DNA with that thing and having loads of fun. I've uh, I've been on the beach in this thing and it's oh, great. Great. On, great. It's great on road and yeah, and you can't fold it off-road, as, as Maddie knows. We've, we've been in the wild track recently, and, um, yeah, they're just lots of fun, comfortable. You could you could stay in them for hours. You could drive around the country and, you'd, you know, quite comfortably. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I've, uh, for what it's worth, I've been in the Hyundai Ionic. Sorry, we, the what? Yeah, yeah. I- Ionic. Is Not Ironic. No, Ionic. <laughs> and it's, Ionic. the version I've been driving is a hybrid, so a petrol-electric hybrid. And it's uh, what Hyundai's positioning as a soft launch. So they've just brought some cars in to show to big fleets, let some media have a turn behind the wheel. Chesto wrote a um, terrific review for us on carsguide.com.au. Uh, there is also going to be a full electric version and a plug-in, uh, plug-in hybrid. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. so there'll be three versions and they'll arrive formally in August. But like any hybrid, I found myself distracted by the little graphic on the dash that shows you Oh, there's electricity going into the battery. Oh, now it's coming out. Oh, and the and the engine's contributing now. Oh, now it's the engine and the electric. Oh, this is. I better look ahead. You better look at the road. And see what's going on. This is what we're saying about electric cars being <laughs> stressful. I was quite happy. Yeah, but oh. I was probably sailing into a crash. Yeah. Uh, you probably ran over three backpackers <laughs> along the way, but yeah. Yeah, you were you were quite. So happy. it's it's pitched to be in the low low thirties, something like that. Time will tell. No no real detail on pricing. But um, it's a perfectly acceptable car to drive, and I do enjoy driving the hybrids, if for that little you know reason alone. Yeah. Um, all right. Look, with that, we have reached the finish line for another week. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. And Crafty. Oh, no problem. No more Musk news, mate? No, no. We'll have to wait for Crazy Elon for next week. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Barbara, for his deft finger work on the mixing panel. Someday he'll go far. Let's just hope he stays there. Thank you for listening. <laughs> And like our bicycle versus car commenters, please let us know what you think of the program. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. It would be great if you could rate and review us on iTunes. We're currently ranking five out of a possible five stars. Oh, nice. And only one person Thanks, has awarded us a single star. Surely we can do better than that. It's probably my mum as well. You know, we know that on any given topic, someone out there in the listenership will know more than we do. So give us a shout. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, what do you call an AU Falcon with a dual exhaust? A wheelbarrow. <laughs>